Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem drops the ball! Turn, picks a flow! And touchdown is frozen over. of the 2022 season. And it's going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Oh, baby! Whew. That was something. Welcome in to the post-game edition of Inside Black and Gold. We are reacting to Saints-Panthers round one, and it was a painful round one for the Saints. They lost 22-14 to 14 in a game that really didn't feel that close. Everything that could have gone wrong feels like it went wrong. You know, it's really hard to point to anything in that game that, that went well. Um, but we're going to get into a lot of that. I'm Jeff Nowak, WWL Digital Sports Producer. My co-host, Steve Geller, is about... I, think he, I don't think he's in the air yet, but <laughs> he has to catch a flight to London, as does the team. So there's no rest for the weary. These guys are going to be stuck on a plane for eight hours to stew over this loss. Uh, and Steve is is going to be in the air as well. So I am solo for this one, which is good because I don't need to make Steve relive, relive that any more than he has to. He'll be on the pod Tuesday as we kind of get, get into it. Uh, hopefully he's set in London by then. Hopefully the team is set in London by then. We can kind of get into the schedule. But 22 to 14. And, you know, every time you felt like something was going to work out, it didn't, right? Every time it felt like the the kind of tide was turning in the Saints' direction in this game, it did not. <laughs> it started well, right? The Saints got a stop on the Panthers' first possession. They moved the ball well on their first possession, and then you got kind of a questionable chop block penalty call that stalled that drive. It drive that, you know, felt like it had momentum to at least get into field goal range and put the first points of the game on the board. And instead you're punting from midfield and hard to put that on Mark Ingram. You know, I'm going to go through the tape and kind of get a better look at, at what happened there. But from what I saw on the broadcast, so a chop block is effectively, you can cut a guy inside the tackle box, but you can't, 
cut him, which means going to go low on a block, right? Take out their legs. You can't cut cut block if that defender is already engaged up high. And when you look at the replay, you'll see that Cesar Ruiz reaches out and puts his hand on the defender right as Mark Ingram goes into that cut cut block. And so that's a chop block. That's illegal. It costs the Saints on that drive. It's really tough because it's just a bang-bang play. And, you know, that's not what you would... Uh, when they say you're engaged with a defender, that's the terminology. That's not what you, you know, kind of touching a guy is not what I would consider engaged. But either way, you know, it was it was a rough call, but at least you can justify it. And that killed that first drive, right? So right from there, everything that seemed like it was going to go right went wrong. Okay. James Winston had a very rough day. There's no questioning that. Um, but one thing that DA said that I think definitely holds, holds merit here um, is came after the game. And uh, here, here's what he said. Yeah, look, I think everybody, when you get in these situations, is kind of looking for, uh, you know, a, a, a place to to, uh, to place blame. Um, you know, th- th- there's enough mistakes to go around that, that uh, uh, you know, I don't really want to go there. Um, you know, I feel confident with Jameis. Certainly, we all need to do better. Um, and, and that's what we're going to do. That's fair. I don't know why, you know, I think it's, it's because when you're a quarterback – you get the criticism, you get the the praise, you get the criticism, and that's just how it works. But when you look at kind of the broad overview of this game, it wasn't, okay, Jameis Winston lost this game. It was Jameis Winston didn't go out and win this game. And by proxy, you have lost the game. But this is a team that is capable of winning games independently of its quarterback, Right. You did none of the things you have to do to make up for a quarterback who is having an off day. Okay. I mean, I mean, straight up, right? That chop block penalty when you're going in for a potential score, that can't happen. Alvin Kamara fumbles for seven points. That's nothing to do with Jameis Winston, but all of a sudden, with Baker Mayfield literally not completing a pass, the, the Panthers are leading seven to nothing, right? I, I get it. Jameis didn't play well. He did not have anything to do with Alvin Kamara fumbling that ball, okay? Later in the game, (laughs) Jameis leads them down the field into field goal range. Obviously, you don't get in the end zone, but you are set up for a chip shot. It gets blocked, right? The first drive of the second half, you are in field goal range. You you know, obviously, there was a sack to end that drive. 48-yard field goal, you expect Will Lutz to knock it through. He misses wide right. So, So that is 13 points that was either not scored on the Saints side or was allowed on the Panthers side. That has nothing to do with the quarterback. And so you're looking at this in kind of the, the, the calculus of, okay, yes, the quarterback didn't go out and win this game, but there are a lot of reasons you lost that game. Okay. <laughs> and so there's this weird resentment toward Jameis Winston because he's not someone you knew he wasn't. And, and I, I don't get it, but we're, we're going to continue on here. And, I did want to hear from Jameis himself. And uh, one of the things he talked about was, you know, the offensive line, I don't think was as bad today as it has been in the last few weeks. One of the reasons being, you know, they picked up pressure today. The Panthers 
sent a lot of zero pressure. They sent a lot of blitzes. And if I was looking at one thing that Jameis Winston really struggled at today and what cost the Saints in this game, he is very, I don't want to say slow, but he is not fast enough to identify blitzers and to get the ball out hot where it needs to go. If you go back and watch the Bucks tape in week two, that is literally what Tom Brady does at a superhuman level. You can't blitz him because you know that you will get hurt by sending that extra pressure. It will not affect him. He will get the ball out where the blitz is coming from, and you are going to have a receiver running behind your defense. And so by doing that, you eliminate the blitz. Joe Burrow at LSU was another example. Team stopped blitzing him because he made it hurt. And that is my biggest criticism of Jameis Winston in this game is you knew they were blitzing. You have to identify where the blitz is coming from and get the ball out behind it. And he rarely does that. There was a play in the first half where the the the, the Panthers set in zero blitz and Jameis did get the ball out hot, but the guy he threw to was covered. He threw to one guy. I mean, there has to be someone open because there's a defender who's coming in and not accounting for your, your, all of your receivers. And so you just have to identify who that's going to be, right? And, and that's where... You 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 can really criticize some of some of the struggles he had in this game. But here's what Jameis said about some of those blitzes. Uh, I mean, we we had a good plan. I, I think they they did a lot of zero pressures, and when you run zero, uh, you can't block block them all. Uh, so having having schemes, we Pete did a good job scheming up plays to get the ball out of our hands. Uh, and sometimes the only sack, only sack that we had uh, was uh, in the red zone where uh, we got sacked and it wasn't in, it wasn't out of field goal range. And we just had a again, we put ourselves in long down and distance uh, and we had a, a, lo- a longer developing play and they brought zero and we couldn't, couldn't block them all. So uh, that, that was unfortunate there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's essentially what you were seeing there. And so one of the things that I was getting into with people on Twitter after the game you know, I don't think the offensive line played that badly. And so, like, you can look back at the week one and two and you can give Jameis a bit of a pass in that, you know, this is the, this is an offensive line that allowed 10 sacks. It was the second most in the NFL, second only the Bengals. Well, today there was only one sack allowed, right? Against a team that likes to send pressure, there was only one sack allowed. I think Jameis got hit five times, you know, and, and he did a good job of, of evading the pressure and throwing the ball away. So, you know, that number isn't necessarily as indicative of, you know, the overall body of work of the offensive line. But I think that they did hold up today as well as they have all season, right? So you have to kind of measure that against the quarterback a little bit. You were playing without Andrus Pete for a majority of that second half. You ran the ball reasonably well in the second half. And so you can't put this on the offensive line. This is on the quarterback, you know? So, so you have to measure that and you have to find ways to improve in that area. That said, this odd odd fascination people have with saying, man, they should put Andy Dalton in the game. Guys, I get it. Jameis has not been perfect. He's the starting quarterback on this team. Andy Dalton is not here to start football games. I don't know how many different ways I can say that. He literally said that when he was signed, Jameis is going to start for this team for better or worse, as long as he is healthy and, and if you were trying to argue disingenuously to try to make a point that Andy Dalton should be the starting quarterback, it's not going to happen, guys. As long as Jameis is healthy, he's the starting quarterback for this team. All right? Now, he could run them into the ground, and then that's a problem. But that's what's going to happen. <laughs> so I, I just need people to understand that. You know, it's not worth talking about. 
as long as Jameis is healthy, if you want to have the conversation of, yeah, Jameis is clearly not at a level he needs to be at, and that's why you should put Andy Dalton in there, fine. That's a reasonable argument. But this idea that 35-year-old Andy Dalton, who struggled mightily with the last two teams he was on, is somehow the savior of your team. Just, just, just take a step back and realize what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway, let's continue on. One other thing that, <laughs> that popped up on my Twitter feed that I think people misinterpreted was Cam Jordan. So Cam Jordan was asked about Jameis Winston, and he said, effectively, I'm not going to answer those questions. Um, and here is exactly what he said. I'm going to let you guys question Jameis. I'm going to focus on what we can control. I do know that, you know, 14 points in the fourth quarter are cool, um, not enough. If our defense doesn't let that little <clears> – <throat> I touched on happened in the fourth quarter, uh, the screen that happened in the fourth quarter. That's that would have been more than sufficient for us to be in the ball game. Um, and again, it starts with us. Yeah, and so when I tweeted that quote, which is like, I'm not gonna essentially, I'm not gonna talk to you about Jameis. You can question Jameis. I'm gonna focus on what I can control. Some people seem to think that was that was Cam like sowing the seeds of discord in the locker room. That that the t- that Jameis is losing the locker room and this team is upset. That blah 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 blah. That's not what he's saying. If you've talked to Cam enough, which I think I have at this point, whenever he is asked about his own offense, he, especially after a loss, what he will do is shut it down and effectively say, I don't play against our own offense. So I have nothing for you. I'm not going to give you anything because I don't have it. I'm focused on playing the other team's offense. So this idea that he's, he's throwing Jameis under the bus because it didn't score enough points. That's not the case at all. He's throwing his own defense under the bus because they allowed too many points. And to some extent, he's right. I mean, there was a point in this game where the Saints finally got some offense going, right? Jameis did his fourth quarter quarterback thing and drove down the field, got that touchdown. It was a six-point game at that point. It was 7-13, to and the Saints, who had stopped Baker Mayfield all day long, get back on defense almost instantly. 67-yard touchdown to LaVisca Chenault. And at that point, the game felt over, right? The Saints got the ball back with about 12 minutes left. They were down two scores. Actually, I think they were down 12 because the Panthers went for a two-point conversion and didn't get it. But that's that's when you lost that game, right? If the, if the defense holds up and gets the ball back to the Saints offense, you, you have a good shot of winning that game. You have 12 minutes, 13 minutes left. You're down six points. You can't allow the Panthers to go 67 yards in one play. And I wrote this in my observations after the game. You can check it out on WWL if you're interested. You know, that's kind of a product of you have to look at that in the larger picture of, you know, you set your defense up to fail by leaving them on the field in the entire first half. And then when you needed them at the end of the game, they were gassed. They had nothing left. And that's why you see this this blown coverage. And the other element is, you know, Marcus May didn't play. You had P.J. Williams in that in that assignment and he didn't hold up. And so that's kind of where you where you land. But to act like the Panthers dominated this game, it's it's not true. It's not true. If not for your own self-inflicted errors, the Saints had a chance in this game. And so that's why, you know, when you talk to Dennis Allen, he's not going to throw Jameis Winston under the bus. I don't think it's even an internal debate whether he's going to be the starting quarterback. My bigger question is why is this team playing at such an undisciplined clip? Why are we constantly seeing your veteran running backs fumbling in critical moments, 
right? Why are you seeing all of these procedural penalties, these stupid mistakes, missed field goals? You can't block on a, on a, on a chip shot field goal where all you have to do is pop it up in the air. You know, these are basic things that you have to be able to pull off. Otherwise, you're not going to win. I don't care who your quarterback is, right? The issue is not that James didn't win this game. The issue is that the team didn't win this game because you didn't execute at so many levels. And so, you know, you want to put the blame on, on Jameis Winston. I'm looking at the coaches. I'm looking at Dennis Allen. I'm looking at Pete Carmichael because these are the people who are supposed to be putting the players in positions for success. And I don't know if they're doing it. And if they are, then then something is not resonating because this is not a disciplined football team as we are watching it. I don't care who the quarterback is. This is not a team that you look at and say, man, this team is just on its P's and Q's all the time. They are making mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake and has cost them back-to-back football games. And that's the issue that you need to fix. Whether you like James Winston as a quarterback, I don't care who the quarterback is. If you can't get these mistakes ironed out, you are going to lose a lot of football games. <laughs> and and you know, you are going to flame out in another head coaching opportunity. So that's if I'm if I'm the head coach of this football team, that's what I'm worried about, not the starting quarterback. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak, WWL digital sports producer. Steve Geller is getting ready to fly to London. So I am solo. We're coming at you after the Panthers defeated the Saints 22 to 14. It didn't really feel that close. Although it was a one-score game with, with about 13 minutes to go. Saints couldn't get it done. We I, I ranted at you all through that first segment. So now I'm going to let you kind of rant back at me. I'm going to go through a lot of these questions that have popped in. You got Josh Higginbotham, tactical strength and conditioning. This team is falling apart from the coach all the way down. It's it's too early in the season, in my opinion, to, to say, oh, this team's falling apart. You're one and two. It's a long way to go. But this is where you start to have to be concerned about, you know, if you get on a three, four, five game losing streak, things get late in a hurry, you know, and you're going out to London. You got to win that game. You, if you come back at one and three, I mean, you're going to get a, you're going to get a good matchup in the Seahawks at home, but you're, you know, you're going to be jet lagged. That's going to be a tough game. I mean, there's a there's a reality where you you get to the midpoint of the season and you're already done. So you got to figure something out now. Um, so I don't know if the team is falling apart, but if if you stack up a couple more rough losses, it, yeah, yeah, I mean that could happen. Richard Fredericks, who do the Saints take with the first overall pick? Well, do I have some news for you? <laughs> they don't have a first round pick next year. That was the questionable trade they made to go get an extra first round pick for this year who would say used on Trevor Penning. So, you know, if you're a team that's rooting for the Saints to fail, you are the Philadelphia Eagles because they own the Saints' first-round pick. So if this season does go off the rails, they are the team that benefits. Uh, I mean, you could you could make the argument that the Saints slightly benefit because, you know, if they do end up with a high pick, then their second-round pick is, is at the top of the second round. But they're not going to get a first-rounder. So that's a... That's not that's not where you're going to go. Lawrence Garrison, do you believe Winston is still the best fit for the Saints ball control offense? I mean, no, I didn't think so before the season and I don't think so now, but he is the starting quarterback and you need to modify your system to fit his skill set. 
you know, there's a there, there's a reason. If you go back on this channel, go back long enough, there's a reason that I went through and predicted that Teddy Bridgewater would be the starting quarterback for the Saints. It didn't happen, right? The Saints re-signed Jameis and they got him out of deal. But there's a the reason I I was leaning that way was because it seemed to fit what the Saints want to do on offense, which you know, as you've seen with Chris Olave, you went out and you got a guy who can stretch the field vertically. And the reason you did that in the draft and and went after him and not somebody else is because as you've seen, right, Jameis wants to go downfield. He wants to stretch the field. And, you know, if there's one positive thing you can pull out of this game, Chris Olave looked like a star. Um, he was open all the time. You know, he got targeted, I want to say 12 times. He's got 25 targets the last two weeks. He's open, right? The reason you're throwing to him is because he's open, you know, and especially later in the game when he was really the only wide receiver on the field, Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas both got hurt. That's another very concerning thing. Traquan Smith even went down with what I believe is a concussion. That's what Dennis Allen said after the game. So <laughs> Mike Thomas is dealing with a toe injury. Jarvis Landry is dealing with an ankle injury. So you, you might have to throw to Chris Olave next week. Deontay Hardy was also out for this game. I, you know, he was kind of a surprise absence. He was full on Friday's practice. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to be figured out, but <laughs> you're going to have to find a way. And so to answer your question again, no, I don't think that Jameis Winston is the best fit for a ball control offense. But as you, as you can see, this is not a team that's operating as a ball control offense, or not, at least not one that is operating well as a ball control offense. So take that for what it is. You know, Lawrence with another one. He's not the worst, but he is becoming the most inconsistent. You know, I, I would argue that he, he's been very consistent. He's been <laughs> consistently slow starting and he's missed, he's missed a lot of throws early in games. Um, I don't know what you do to fix that, but you got to do something. Jay Black, we didn't even get to the challenging games yet in the season. We should be three and zero right now. Those were winnable games, but no offense. Yeah. No, I mean, you went into the fourth quarter of week two tied at three. This game probably should have been in that same range. You know, if if not for the fumble, if you didn't leave six points on the field in those two missed field goals or the, the blocked field goal and then the missed field goal, you're right there. And so, yeah, these are all winnable games. I had them at two and one in my in my uh, season projection when I went through the schedule earlier in the offseason. And, you know, and I think losing one of these games was, you know, in the range of where you can feel comfortable about your long-term uh, options. But now you really are behind the eight ball. Like you can't, you can't afford to lose to the Vikings. You know, I don't know if it's a must win, but it's pretty close. Um, because you, you need to come back and beat the Seahawks. And you're kind of banking on that win. So, you know, if you can't get out of that stretch at three and two, I mean, that's a go look at the schedule for the next six weeks because it's brutal. Trash points. I don't know if you're talking about points from the trash or if my points were trash. This is a this is a this is an optional show. You don't have to be here. Richard Fredericks, how many wins realistically do you see? Well, you know, I had them at two and one after three games. I had them at eleven wins, and I thought that was that was their ceiling, right? I like to be optimistic. I put 11 wins as probably their ceiling for this season. You could still get there, right? I still think that is their ceiling. You've made life a lot more difficult for yourself by starting one and two, and particularly starting one and two in your own division. That's going to make the tiebreakers down the road much more difficult to win. 
you know, I don't think the Panthers are going to be an issue down the road. You know, they're, this is not a good football team. They're not going to win a lot of games. Falcons are in the same boat. Um, the Bucks are having trouble with the Packers right now. That'll be one to watch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I still think you're in the range of between nine and 11 wins. You know, I think this team's going to figure it out and it's just a matter of time. The issue is you don't have a lot of time. You know, if you don't start well in the NFL, unless you are fortunate enough to be in a very weak division, which you could argue the saints are, but there is a top end team in it. You can basically rule yourself out of a divisional title in the first five games of the season. If you don't, if you don't do it the right way. Now, there's a lot of leeway when it comes to making a wild card spot and the saints weren't able to last year at nine and eight. I think you need to get to 10 wins in any season to comfortably put yourself into the playoffs. And I think you can still get there, but you know, you, there's a lot of things you have to iron out. And like I said, in the first segment, I don't have a ton of concern about the offense as a whole. I have a bigger concern about the undisciplined play that you've seen from at basically every level right? This is not what I expected. That's the thing. You know, when you went from Sean Payton to Dennis Allen, DA is more of a, of a disciplinarian, if you will. He's more of a regimented guy. He, he's more like a drill sergeant than, than, than Sean Payton was. And for that reason alone, I expected this to be a disciplined team. It has not been that. And that's, again, that frustrates me more than anything because You'd like to point at, okay, this is not being done well enough. You should have done this. You should have done this. I mean, instead, you're pointing at the things that you did wrong that you have no excuse for. And, you know, the only way to fix that is not do it anymore. Stop putting the ball on the ground, right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and I think that goes back to the coaching. And I think he would take full responsibility for that. But it's like, great, you can take responsibility for it, but you got to fix it too. Grant Illick seems like this team is lacking a leader. That could be it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think there are a lot of leaders on this team, but there are a lot of them are on the defensive side of the ball. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that is an issue probably on the offensive side where, you know, I don't know who, who, who is the guy you're listening to in the locker room? Is it, is it Jameis? It should be Jameis, but I don't know. Right. And in the past, that was never a question. Now I think it probably is. So yeah, it, it's a good point. Chris Sanders, we need to capitalize more on opportunities in the first half, undoubtedly. I tweeted this. So Saints points by quarter in 2022. First quarter, 10 points. Second quarter, zero points. Third quarter, three points. Fourth quarter, 38 points. You don't win a lot of games like that. You definitely don't win any games easily like that, right? At best, you are winning games in scramble mode and making life very difficult on yourself because... You, you require everything to go right. You know what I mean? Like when you're, when you're not playing well in the first half and you are constantly playing from behind, the only way you win games is if nothing else goes wrong. In week one, nothing else went wrong, or at least not to the level that, that it took a win away from you, although it was very close, right? You, your margin is so narrow. And in this game, you did, your margin was too narrow, right? You got the ball back with 19 seconds left, not enough time. So, you know... You got to be better earlier in games. Tell me about it. 504. Why trade and go all in? Set this team back years. And I didn't watch because I knew this would happen. Poop emoji. Yeah, I mean, if if this season continues on that track, which, you know, I, I'm I'm an optimist by trade. I do think this team is going to figure it out. Question is whether they whether it takes too long and you've already done too much damage 
from a, from a record perspective that you can't make up for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if this season goes a certain way from here, you know, it's one and two, it's not over. Right. I mean, there's a long way to go and you got to play better, but you know, you're not writing off the season yet. <laughs> you got to, you got to string wins together. But if this season goes a certain way, you know, you could be looking back at that trade two, three years from now and be like, man, like this is what set this team back and made it impossible to compete at the level you need to. Because if you get beyond this year and you decide Jameis isn't the guy, which, you know, even if he does come back and plays a little better and you win some games, I think you could still make the argument that you move on from him. You don't have a first round pick to go get a guy. You know, maybe maybe you're going out and breaking the bank for Jimmy G, who, you know, also not an exciting guy, you know, so your options aren't great. And, you know, when it would be great to have a first round pick, if you're looking for a quarterback in the draft where there's a ton of young, really exciting quarterbacks, which that would be the case next year. So, you know, that trade, that trade in hindsight could end up being very painful. Nolan nerd says it's time for the red dead rifle redemption. You know, I disagree, but I, I'm completely on board for that, uh, for that catchphrase. I'll leave it at that. Josh Higginbotham. You're looking at the coaches, but they can't execute the plays. I mean, sure. But I'm not talking about like individual play execution as what this team is struggling with. It is the moments where you shoot yourself in the foot and torpedo an entire drive, right? There was a drive where they got back the first and 20 and actually converted it. But that doesn't excuse the fact that you had two procedural penalties before first down that ended up in first and 20, right? There's so many examples of gaffes of just dumb mistakes that you can't look past and you and you have to you have to identify it's like okay so is this player just faulty no it, it goes back to the coaching marianne williams ring why do we never run outside you know one of the things that i took away from this game is alvin Kamara did not look right you know he had a few nice runs at this in the second half i think he had one nice run in the first half but he looked very much like a guy who is playing through an injury um and like of course he is we knew he is he was but it definitely looked like it was affecting him in this game he he didn't look dissimilar to if you go back to the 2019 season especially late in the year when he was dealing with the mcl injury you know he was playing hurt and when you go back and look at the tape you can tell he was hurt you know he's still an incredible athlete and he's going to do things that very few people can do but the player we saw today was not the Alvin Kamara you you typically would see. And there were a few plays that I think illustrated that. And one of them was the fumble. Another was there was a first down, or I'm sorry, it was a second down play late in the first half. I think it was second and three. Alvin sits down right past the first down marker. Jameis tries to throw it to him. It gets tipped, right? But the ball is kind of fluttering into Alvin's hands. There, you should catch a 10 out of 10 times out of 10, but it seemed like he lost concentration and it just hit the turf. And this was a huge play in that game because instead of first and goal at the, at the six, you're at third and three. And I don't know if that moment had factored into Jameis's head, but you ran, you know, you run the next play and Alvin is wide open in the exact same spot again. Jameis doesn't throw to him. Instead, he tries to throw to Jarvis on the fade and he misses. And now it's fourth down. And then you go to get the field goal and it gets blocked, right? So that drop was as good as a turnover because you didn't walk away with points. And there, there were a lot of moments in that game where it was like, man, if this, this is not the right Alvin. And uh, hopefully that, that injury doesn't linger. Hopefully he can get back 
to the player that you want. But, you know, I don't know what percentage you put it at, but he was not right today. And so when you're talking about outside runs, yeah, I mean, what the play that I miss, the play that we haven't seen a lot of since James took over is kind of that, like, that long swing pass, right? I don't know if if you maybe you don't trust his like short area accuracy enough to to throw a pass with the kind of danger of that because those swing passes are are scary if you don't throw them right because if they get undercut you know if they end up going backwards and hit the ground you know the, a turnover there is basically six points and so those were kind of extended runs and we don't really see those They're the plays that Drew Brees ran all the time that we just don't see with Jameis and I think that's where you are losing a lot in your in your usage of Alvin Kamara as well. Um, this has never been a team that runs a lot of stretch plays. They're a misdirection. They're a zone running team, and um, th- this is not a fast team. And, you know that's that's one thing that you really see when you go up against a team like the Bucks. You know, even this t- this Panthers team has a lot of really good athletes on defense. The Saints are not a very athletic offense outside of maybe Chris Olave and Deontay Hardy. Right, they're very plotting. You know, Jarvis Landry and Mike Thomas are not guys that are going to outrun you. You're guys who you expect to hold up and blocking and kind of set the edge, and they just haven't done that so far. All right, you're listening to Inside Black and Gold. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and answer a few more questions before we get out of here. Again, my name is Jeff Nowak, WWL Digital Sports Producer. Make sure to hit us up wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, whatever cast you use and uh, make sure to leave a rating and a review we'd love to hear from you and uh, stick around welcome back to inside black and gold we're still going through reader questions after the saints lost to the panthers in a painful 22 14 game that you know the, the the final score probably makes it seem a little closer than it was Jameis winston's stat line probably makes it feel like he had a much better game than he did he went 25 for 41 353 yards and a touchdown the big game though belongs to chris Olave. nine catches on 13 targets for 147 yards traquan smith also came out of nowhere first game of the year four catches for 105 yards but this yardage was largely rolled up in garbage time. Yeah, garbage time is a tough word, but in the fourth quarter when the game, you know, at best, there was a very slim, slim chance of coming back. So it wasn't complete garbage time because there, I only consider it garbage time if you literally just don't have a chance and the other team is just like just phoning it in because, you know, there's just no, nothing you can do, right? Like f- down 30 points in the last four minutes where there's just literally not enough time. In this case, you know, you did have a chance to recover an onside kick. You weren't able to do it. So in that essence, it's not garbage time, but that yardage is not indicative of a good game. The interesting thing about it though, and I tweeted about this during the game, is the Panthers had the longest active streak of games without a 300-yard passer at 26. The Saints were second on that list. They had gone 20 consecutive games without a 300-yard passer, and I decided to tweet that today, and lo and behold, that streak ended. 20 games, and that is now over. Jameis Winston is the first 300-yard passer in three years. So, you know, (laughs) figure that one out. But it was not a good game by any stretch. But, I mean, if you, I don't know if anyone had a good game passing the football. Baker Mayfield went 12 for 25 for 170 yards. And 
67 of that came on one play to LaVisca Chanel, right? So on one pass, he had 67 yards. On his other 11 completions, he had 103 yards. If you, uh, if you erase the LaVisca Chanel pass, Baker Mayfield went 11 for 24 for 103 yards. <laughs> you know, and obviously you can't erase that, but my point is he had a terrible game. Christian McCaffrey did have a good game. I wouldn't say he had a great game. He didn't break any big runs, but he was just consistent. 108 yards on 25 carries, a little over four yards a carry. So it's a solid day, not great, but it's better than you would hope for if you're the Saints. But yeah, I mean, it's a game you should have won. It's a game you had to win. And, uh, you know, that you're going to, you know, you're going to have to make up for this somewhere. You're going to have to beat a team that you probably aren't expected to beat to get back. Nolan Nerd Dalton can run without a knee brace, without spinal fractures and a whacked out ankle. Dalton tore it up in the oof in preseason. I don't know what oof means. Jameis is playing hurt. Tore it up is a, is a, is a bit much. He had two drives in the preseason and they were solid. There's probably going to be a chance this season to see Andy Dalton in the game. And I'm not sure what exactly Andy Dalton has done to make people be so confident in his abilities as a 35-year-old who has not played well in maybe six years. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's this weird sentiment that people seem to have. And I guess it's it's kind of like a, the mystery is better than, you know, the, like, it's like the devil you know is better than the devil you don't is the opposite. But anyway, but from Sky, this was a trap game. I don't think... You, you can't have a trap game unless you're good, right? There's no, there's no such thing as a trap game for a bad team. It's just a loss. And right now, the Saints are a bad team. So I'm not even willing to say this was a trap game. This is just a game they didn't show up for. Like, they're not good enough to be considering things trap games. This is just a loss. Like, you, have to, you have to earn the privilege of calling something a trap game, and, and they have not done that. Uh, but thanks for the comment. Uh, Julius Davis, Michael Thomas just wants the ball. Yeah, I... I need to go back. One of the things I want to look at tomorrow and Tuesday, I want to go back the last three games and kind of take a look at Mike Thomas because I, I think he's having he's struggling to create separation more so than in years past. It, there's a reason that every time he catches the ball, it's spectacular. And it's because he's got defenders draped all over him in ways that I do not remember him having defenders draped all over him in the past. And I don't know if, if maybe he's still kind of working his way into his routes, but... It is striking how little he's been targeted and how difficult the catches he's making are when he was, has been targeted. And he's still an incredible receiver, and he's making these great catches. But, man, you'd like to see some easier catches for him. You'd like to see some catch-and-run opportunities, and you just haven't had them. Because every one, he's had to be diving and, and making a one-handed grab and going to the ground. It's like, you know, something's not adding up there. And, and I don't know if it's a timing thing, if it's just a matter of, you, you need to work back into the, the the offense a little more, but he is a guy you can still go to and trust to make contested catches. I just would like to see him get more easier opportunities. So I want to go and look at the film and see, you know, if there were opportunities that were missed or if he's just struggling to create separation, which I think might be the case. Camden Bush, <laughs> you, you played against a top five defense and a top 32 offense. I like that. You know, the Panthers are definitely in the top 32 of offensive football teams. Um, yeah, I, I have no, I have no rebuttal for that. It's a good take. Good old country boy. The two picks Winston threw looked bad, but one was deflected and one a Hail Mary. So he did look okay for a player that was hurt. Yeah. I mean, not, the interceptions don't bug me at all in this game. The interceptions from week two bug me a little bit, but JC Horn made an excellent play. 
um, on that first one, batted the ball up in the air. You know, Jameis, you know, maybe you, you could say he needs to do a better job of avoiding J.C. Horn um, throwing around his hands. But again, it was a good defensive play. It's the same reason I don't I didn't wasn't as critical of that Jamel Dean interception, because anytime the defender has to make a spectacular play, it's hard to put that on the quarterback. Right. Um, and, and that was only half of the spectacular play in order for that to end up as an interception, JC Horn had to get up and, and pop the ball in the air. And then 300 pound defensive tackle, Derek Brown had to make one of the most athletic interceptions I've ever seen for, for a behemoth. And, you know, so I'm not going to hold that against the quarterback stuff happens, you know, random randomness exists. Um, the issue is you were playing badly enough that that interception effectively just torpedoed any chance you had. And then the, the, the second interception. Yeah. I mean, that that's. That's meaningless. You have 19 seconds at your own goal line. Your only chance is to pick up 50 yards on one play. And and hopefully you can get out of bounds because I don't think you're going to even have time to go up and spike it. So like, that's the only play you can make. He just chucked it up and saying, maybe Chris Olave can make a play on this ball, get out of bounds, give us a chance for a Hail Mary. But I'm not going to hold that against Jameis. So the, the interceptions, I think, were not the issue today. I actually think Jameis... You know, obviously five interceptions through three games. The ones from this game, I don't really care about, right? And so, uh, you know, he, he almost threw one in the end zone that Marquez Callaway stole from the defender. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think that that's been his biggest issue. Uh, honest, Honestly, I don't think the turnovers have really been a problem. It's been the the execution of the offense that has not been good. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I'm not going to keep talking about turnovers in the way that we have in the past because I don't think that's what's dogging Jameis this season. WW, make a run for Derek Carr and hire Eric Bieniemy next season. I mean, yeah, we can start talking about next season if we want. Again, one of the reasons that I think this Andy Dalton thing is just makes no sense to me is because you know he's not your future at quarterback. Like, you know that. So there's no I, – I don't, I don't see why you'd put him in there unless it's a health thing which again, I, I can see you making the argument for, and, and I would make the same argument, but if they're deeming him healthy enough to be out there, then, you know, it is what it is. But you're not going to Andy Dalton because you think he's the future starter. And so the question is, is Jameis your starter next year, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's that's why it makes no sense to put Andy in there. Like you need to find out whether you can feasibly start this guy next season. So having him ride the bench does not benefit you. Because if one way or another you're going to find a quarterback, then you might as well see what you can get out of him. So we'll see, you know. And, and and again, and the other side of that coin is if if you do still want to move on from him, he's under contract next season, and you you know if there's any trade value whatsoever, you need him to go out and show that. So I just again we keep coming back to it. I just don't see a scenario where you start Andy Dalton for any reason other than Jameis is not healthy enough to play. Luke Scout with clout. You can put on the QB when he fumbles two snaps, four batted balls that could have been picked. Plus one interception at the end. I mean, one of those snaps was Eric McCoy snapping the ball when he wasn't, when the quarterback wasn't ready. So, I mean, that wasn't a fumbled snap. I mean, I, I guess like, yeah, I'm not saying Jameis played well, but to to put this on Jameis as if a different quarterback in there would have won that game. I don't think that's true. At least not any of the ones that are on the Saints roster. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's this idea that like Andy Dalton is going to go in there and Alvin Kamara is not going to fumble for a touchdown. Like uh, th- that's not the case, right? You're still going to have these offensive penalties. You're still going to have these missed field goals. Uh, I don't see it, but yeah, I mean, if, if we want to pretend that, that the only thing wrong with this team right now, the only reason you're losing games is the quarterback. 
then go for it. I'm just, I, I don't think that that is a fair way to look at the struggles this team is having right now because it goes way beyond that. John Mule, there's a reason they offered Jameis a two-year deal instead of a four- or five-year deal. They pretty much know he's not their future long-term. I mean, they're not committed to it in any way. You know, he, he could earn that, but he hasn't to this point. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Pelicans, Nolan, Marquez Callaway saved him from the third interception. Yeah, you, you are correct. He did. But again, at that point, it's like you are just scrambling. You're trying to get in the end zone. So, like, sure, I I guess it wasn't a great throw. But at that point, it's like you either get in the end zone or you don't. You, you also should remember at that point in the game, you had no wide receivers left. You had Chris Olave and Marquez Callaway. Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry were both in the locker room with injuries. Deontay Hardy didn't play. <laughs> so, I mean, you're just throwing it and hoping someone comes down with it. So, and, and Marquez did. I, I, I think Marquez Callaway needs to get more playing time. I actually thought Traquan Smith had a good day, but you know, it's the the problem is when you try to live for this big play the way the Saints have and the way Jameis Winston likes to. It's a rough. It's a rough way to go. There's a reason not that many offenses in the NFL operate that way because it's just not a consistent way to run an offense. The athletes on defense are too good, and ball control is too important. So if you're constantly just trying to sling it downfield. You know, when it, when it hits great, but you gotta be, you gotta be able to execute in short areas. You know, like if you can get down into the red zone, fantastic, but you gotta be able to score there too. Um, and, and the saints weren't able to do that today. WW, maybe like Doug Marone call plays. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's gonna, I don't think that's gonna happen, but I do think there is, there are questions you need to ask about the play calling. I saw one person say third and long, you run a screen. I think they should be running more screens. I don't think the issue is the screen. I think that you are not running screens well enough. The screen has always been a major part of the Saints offense, and you have not seen that through three games. And again, one of the issues that I think you have in running screens is one of the same issues I think you have in running swing passes is that if I had to pick one thing that Jameis does not do well enough at all, it is just throwing these these six-yard, 10-yard little dump-off passes that should be completion 100 out of 100 times <laughs> for whatever reason this just doesn't it's not like he can throw the ball 60 yards downfield on a dime but he can't throw it 10 yards to his right where it needs to be and that and that's frustrating to me because that should be a big part of his offense and it isn't Richard Fredericks Tyron Matthew hasn't lived up to expectations I mean in what way I, I mean I guess I think he's been fine I don't think the defense has been a problem he's Tyron Matthew isn't the one who blew the tackle on LaVisca Chanel, that was P.J. Williams, right? Tyron Matthews out there healthy. I mean, like you can point fingers at the defense. I think they need to be forcing turnovers, right? Like that's, if you wanted to point finger at the defense and say, you know, you needed to do a better job helping your offense win this game, that's where I look at it, right? I mean, they they forced two contact fumbles in week one. They did not force, well, they they collected a turnover in week two. Tom Brady just gave it to them. Uh, that was not forced by the defense and they did not force a turnover in this game. They've had a couple turnovers on downs, but I don't consider that a real turnover, even though it's called a turnover, but you know, it's more on the offense, not executing, but either way, you know, that's, that is a big play. The defense has played well, but you know, there haven't been any game breaking plays from the defense the last two weeks, like the way that the bucks had game breaking plays, right? The way that the Panthers had a game breaking play today, right? In both games, you had scores by the other team the other team's defense. And that changes a game. And we have not seen plays like that out of this Saints defense this year. And when you're talking about a defense that will win you games, 
those are the plays you have to have. And so, you know, I thought the pressure was, was there today. I thought they did a good job getting after Baker. There was one play that they really should have knocked him for a loss and he was able to scramble around. I think it might've been shy Smith that he found out the back. It was just kind of a bootleg little, you know, schoolyard play that worked for him. But, you know, for the, for the most part, I thought the defensive backs locked down. I thought, you know, Bradley Roby, Paul Sandebo, Marshawn Lattimore, if you can keep those three healthy, that's a just a lockdown unit. And it's just frustrating because if you had a, a semi-competent offense, you know, if you had an offense that was executing, then you put 10 points on the board in the first half. And you feel like you won that game because I, I don't think the Panthers were going to do anything. You know, they can move the ball within within like the their 30 yards of the field, you know, the 20 and 50. They moved all the day with Christian McCaffrey right there. But you clamp down at about the 50-yard line. You know, they didn't get much further than that. There was a couple a couple pl- drives they ended up in field goal range. But by and large, you 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 locked down the Panthers and you just were waiting and waiting and waiting for the offense to figure it out. And by the time they did, it was too late. Here we go. Tiger twin. Baker is pure garbage. You know, I appreciate this. Because if we're going to talk trash about quarterbacks, we should at least be talking trash about both, right? Because he was terrible, right? Another number one overall pick who did not play well. And these are both one and two teams. So hey, you know if we're gonna if we're gonna if we're gonna give it to one end, might as well give it to both. Because Baker had a bad day. I don't. You're, you're talking about number one overall picks that I don't think are the future in that franchise. I think Baker and Jameis can have a competition to see to see which one loses that job first. Because neither has been good. WW tight end production is completely non-existent. Yeah, I don't know what Adam Troutman did. Uh, I don't know if he owes Jameis money, but you know, one target through three weeks. Finally got a target today. It was a nice throw, too. Jameis lofted it over the top. Troutman brought it in on the sideline. I think Nick Finette caught a pass today. Jawan Johnson was was absent, although he did blow a blocking assignment. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Jameis has never been a guy that throws a lot to tight ends, but I think it's got to change. Let's get one more and then we'll move on. Pelicans Nola. I'm ready for Lamar Jackson. I assume you mean you're going to sign him in free agency when when he hits free agency. Hate to break it to you, 0% chance he hits free agency. <laughs> the Ravens are going to franchise the heck out of him. Um, hopefully they pay him. You know, he's earned a contract. Uh, hopefully they pay him because he he deserves it. But yeah, if if he, if he if they somehow for for some reason let him hit free agency, there's going to be a heck of a bidding war for him. I'll tell you what. Um, but that's where I'll wrap it up. Again, my name is Jeff Nowak. This is you're listening to Inside Black and Gold. Went through a lot of questions. We hopefully this therapy session has been cathartic. I know there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of there's a lot of vitriol. People want to see Andy Dalton. I I don't, but you know I get it. I get it. And uh, you know I I'm not looking forward to going through the film tomorrow um, when the All 22 comes out, but I will do it. I will do it for you guys <laughs> and I'll try to figure out what the heck happened in this game. Thanks everyone for being in here. Thanks for everyone who asked a question. Thanks for everyone who listened. Make sure to give us a follow, give us a subscription, give us a review, give us a rating, review your podcast. If you're on Apple and you're listening to this and you want to scroll down and hit the five stars, maybe type a little message and tell me how wrong I am. I, I, I would love to see it. And as always stick around, we're going to have an episode. I think we we're kind of set on the schedule now where we're going to have this post on Mondays, right? The post game pod, unless they're playing on a weird day. And then we're going to have an episode on Wednesday that kind of goes through the film. And then we're going to have an episode on Friday that kind of previews the upcoming game. This week, we had an interview with the Panthers podcast, who I'm sure they're going to be in my DMs telling me how right they were uh, in picking the Panthers. And 
hopefully we can kind of keep that going where we kind of preview teams to get an idea of what they're what's coming up but as always thanks so much everyone and stay salty <laughs> peace y'all